This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. So, no one really knows what's going to happen next week, tomorrow, the next hour, or even the next minute. But how do we navigate through these uncertainties and still thrive in this day and age where everything, including business, is moving so rapidly with so many unknowns? So, we are here with Nathan Fur, the professor of strategy at INSET, who is also the co-author of The Upside of Uncertainty, A Guide to Finding Possibility in the Unknown. He wrote this book together with his wife, Susanna Fur, who is also here with us today. She is an entrepreneur and an author herself. Now, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you guys on. Now, tell us who you are and what you do. So uh, my name's Nathan. I'm a professor at INSEAD. I worked in industry. I did my PhD at Stanford, and I've been studying this question of uncertainty through different lenses for about 20 years now. I'm Susanna, and we actually met at university really young, and we both love studying. So I, I would say I did have an academic beginning. I did a master's in art history, but since then, I have loved design of any kind. And, and currently, I'm really interested in actually biointensive gardening and learning about soil and how we've got to change what we're doing in terms of agriculture and food production. And I would say we've been married 26 years and have four kids, and the oldest is 24. So we also have a little bit of life experience. <laughs> That is so interesting, right? But both of you come from so different backgrounds. What made you decide to write your latest book, The Upside of Uncertainty? Well, in interviewing innovators over the last 20 years, I realized something really simple. And that is we talk about the innovations they create, the possibilities. We admire those things, but we never talk about this other part of their journey, which is to do any of those things. They had to first face the unknown. They had to first take a risk, step into the dark. And and that's something that I'll be honest, I am not very good at. So I wanted to know how did they do that so that I could get better. And so I've been asking these questions and, and looking at the research, trying to understand how can I personally get better at, at stepping into those unknowns so that I, I could cap, capture an opportunity. I would say that for me, I, I really just new in our own personal lives and and also with things I'd been d- daring enough to try like starting my own clothing line while Nathan was doing his PhD I knew that uncertainty was a portal to really great things and we'd been just um kind of living a lot of uncertainty and not realizing later like wait a second these things we love such as like moving to France is actually it only came because we did do something really kind of traumatic and or it felt traumatic, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that we think uncertainty is always good. We always want to make sure that people understand we're not talking about there are devastating uncertainties, but the ones that bring us beautiful, exciting new possibilities, we wanted to encourage people for those and then also understand when uncertainty happens to you, how to to navigate it with more heart and soul and 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 using your mind as well but really going through it in a way that will will have a future that you love. Mm-hmm. Now, why do you think that uncertainty is important in um, business or like the workplace setting? Well, I would say just think about your own life. Think about what you're proud of, what you have achieved. Maybe it's a position, maybe it's a career move. I would 
ask you to look back in time. And I am certain that it only came after you took a risk, after you kind of opened your mouth, you know, follow that interview, did what it took. In other words, uncertainty is the moat that protects opportunities in for companies and for individuals. And the problem is, is that companies always tell me they want a risk-free innovation or risk-free growth, or we want to do something new, but we don't want any uncertainty. Well, that doesn't exist. So if you believe our story, that uncertainty and possibility are two sides of the same coin, that's at the heart of our story, that if we want growth or we want possibility, we have to learn to face uncertainty well. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, just in relation of why is uncertainty important at work? I think it's just even if if you somehow in a company that's not really changing much, you probably aren't growing like Nathan was saying. But I think it's so important right now because everyone is having these stressful things happen to them. And so learning how to not just completely shut down when it happens, when it shows up is so critical to having these really wonderful outcomes that we won't regret. I think Suzanne has put her finger on the the center of the book, which is that we live in a world of uncertainty and change. It's happening to us. But the big dilemma is that very few of us have been taught how to face it well. Right. We've been taught kind of your, the linear route forward in life, how to how to plan and execute. But that's not really the world we live in. We live in a world of change. And, and so it, it makes us feel anxious. It makes us feel uh, uncertain in our guts, you know. And, and so how do we how do we face that? How do we learn to do that? Well, that's at the heart of being able to capture new opportunities. Right. And I think um, a lot of people have been saying that we feel anxious and, you know, the fear that's in us is caused by us knowing that we are not in control of something. Right. But Mm -hmm. again, like Nathan said, we are not dealing with it well. We know that there is a problem, but we are not using the right tools to navigate through that. So I actually want to touch on that. Right. So in your book, Both of you want your readers to develop something called the uncertainty ability uh, with practical tools. And these tools are uh, the first one, reframe, second one, prime, the third one, do, and the last one is sustain. So walk us through, you know, what these are with some examples from your experiences. Sure. So we actually, those are four categories of tools. There's like 10 in each of those categories. So the reframe set of tools is really the most critical. And we we put all of these uh, tools around kind of to listen for listeners to imagine it in their minds, a first aid cross for uncertainty. So picture that red cross, that universal symbol of help and reframe would be at the top kind of as this compass, this North Star, the guiding urgent thing that we need to figure out, which is what we've already been discussing. Uncertainty is the one side of possibility that is the thing we love, but we have to go through the uncertainty first. So two sides of the same coin, reframing that from not something to avoid and be scared about, which is how we're wired actually, but to go after it with more excitement. And and it's reframing it in terms of the possibility. So an example would be, um, we got to see how different leaders responded to the COVID-19 pandemic. And there were some leaders who framed it. So framing is simply how you describe it and it changes how you think, decide, and act. And there were some leaders who framed it as the worst thing that's ever happened or worse than the Great Depression. And what happens when you frame it in terms of the uncertainty is it triggers all that fear and anxiety and people start to worry. They spend all the energy at work, you know, kind of wondering what will happen next versus if you frame it in terms of the possibility. I mean, is that possible? 
I mean, a great example of that is uh, how the CEO of Airbnb framed the pandemic. Now, to put it in context, the Airbnb lost 80%, 80% of their business in eight weeks. So if anybody had a reason to say, this is the worst thing, it's them. But Brian Chesky was the CEO. He didn't say, he didn't frame it that way. Instead, he said, this is our moment. Great companies are forged in moments of crisis. This is how we show what we're made of. Now, what he's doing is he's framing something really terrible and really uncertain in terms of the possibility that is still there. And when you hear that, you respond differently. It's framed in terms of the possibility. You have more energy to do something about the situation than just worry about the situation. And so what we would encourage everyone, whether you're a leader or an individual, is it's okay to acknowledge that there's uncertainty. But when you frame it in terms of that other side of the coin, Susanna was talking about, the possibility you have so much more uh, momentum moving forward. Well, and I think what's fun about how you said, whether you're the leader or the individual, it's 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 actually true that even leaders, like Brian Chesky mentioned, he said, the thing that you don't have to worry about as much is what actually ends up happening. It's your own thoughts. Your own thoughts is where it starts. So even leaders are about. individuals. Yeah, your own thoughts are the thing that are gonna kind of take you down first before you can even get to making good choices or good decisions. So that's the reframe category of tools. And then mm-hmm. prime tools are really on that left side of the first aid cross. And they're really about preparing yourself well. You know, all of us are going to want to do things in uncertainty. And before we do that, there are ways to prepare ourselves, to know ourselves better. So it's a category of tools like um, knowing what kind of risks are actually interesting and kind of enjoyable to you and the ones that really are making you nervous. And so you can create this personal riskometer. It's also about knowing, you know, what is your runway? What are your landing strips? Meaning runway people understand usually in the business sense, but landing strips, not thinking that there's only one thing that could happen that would be something that you would enjoy or feel good about. So prime tools, preparing yourself, preparing the situation. And and it's really about self-knowledge, like you prime a pump or prime a wall. So doing is about taking action, which is one of the best ways to resolve uncertainty. And one of the tools to help you take action in a way that leads to better outcomes Uh, than others. Because it turns out there are better ways and research has shown this, but there are some very uh, intuitive approaches such as breaking it down into small steps or small experiments. Plenty of research supporting that, that it's better to do it incrementally than to try to do it all at once. But I think I would prefer to share a tool that is a little more counterintuitive, Mm. which is to ask, is there a way to go forward into uncertainty where you can't fail? It almost seems paradoxical because by definition, you don't know uh, what's going to happen. So how can you guess right? Well, it's not about guessing right. Uh, This tool is called Values Over Goals. And what it argues is if you go into uncertainty focused on your values, you know that you have control over acting according to your values. You actually don't have control over your goals. It's fine to set a goal, but just because let's say you're an entrepreneur and you set a goal to achieve 30 million whatevers. It doesn't happen because you set the goal. And so a great example of this is the uh, very famous entrepreneur, David Heinmeier Hansen, who did Ruby on Rails and Basecamp. And he says, whenever I start a new project, 
I focus on writing great software, treating my people well, and acting ethically with the marketplace. And he says, you know, I can work two years, spend a couple million dollars on this project, have it be a, a market flop, mm-hmm. but be a personal and company success because I learned so much about writing great software and I treated people well along the way. So I would really encourage you to think about that and that it, in a paradoxical way, you might have more success when you're acting according to your values because you do better work mm-hmm. uh, because it's coming from a different place. And then the last section is sustained. Yeah. And so at that bottom part of the cross is sustained tools. And I think that moment of sustain is really tricky. It's when things don't go the way you planned, when it's harder than you thought, mm-hmm. when you're losing steam, you know, and um, so it's it's a category of tools to comfort and nurture you and nourish you and help you remember why you're doing this uncertainty in the first place, whether you chose it or not and how you want it to turn out. Mm. It's not about, you know, discarding the fact that you're unhappy about the failure. It's about what you do with it afterwards, right? It's acknowledging that you feel, you, you feel devastated, of course, when, when failure mm-hmm. happens because uh, due to uncertainties, right? Yeah, actually part of the, the tools is to na- to acknowledge and to let yourself feel what that feels like. Right. So in the emotional hygiene part, which is one of those subcategories, you really do let yourself feel it. You And you can even say things like, this is what it feels like to have really <laughs> wanted this thing and, and normalizing it, right? I think that's right. the problem is usually we feel the failure and we think, oh, this is just me. I'm the only dumb one. And we we create this whole drama of oh, other people probably would have figured this out instead of saying, oh, this is just what it feels like to have this thing that I've really gone for that I've loved and cared about and not have it work. But I think taking the failure and swiveling it in the next section is called reality check. Of under, Again, we're in this sustained category of tools. And that's where you say, wait a second, I'm only seeing the downsides of this failure. But Look at all of the learning. Look at all of the, now I know what not to do. You know, those things are hugely important. And so that's a that's what we call a frustration management frame. Again, right. reality check being this moment where you don't let the failure feeling just completely overcome you, but you look at the, the learnings that, that came out of that or feeling grateful for what you still have. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's the, the answer too. Right. I do want to touch on that later more in depth, but it's time sure. for us to hit to some messages. Uh, don't go anywhere. I'm here with Nathan Fah and Susanna Fur, who are the authors of The Upside of Uncertainty, a guide to finding possibility in the unknown. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Bloggers for Malaysia. BFM. 89.9 You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. I'm here in the studio with Nathan Fa and Susanna Fa, uh, who are the authors of The Upside of Uncertainty, A Guide to Finding Possibility in the Unknown. Uh, we talked about the importance of uncertainty in the business setting and knowing how to understand and navigate through it. Now, um, I think, again, we are anxious about uncertainties and because we are no longer in in control of that situation, right? Would you say that using the tools that you have in your book, we are able to, quote unquote, get rid of the fears and anxiety that we feel when we know that uncertainty is just right in front of us? 
Here's the tricky thing about uncertainty. It's this little evolutionary gift, meaning that it was developed over, you know, hundreds of thousands of years in an environment where there wasn't much benefit to going, say, 100 miles or 100 kilometers from home because you were probably just going to starve to death, get eaten, get killed, something bad would happen. So we, over hundreds of thousands of years, developed this fear of uncertainty. But the problem is the world has changed dramatically. We will not get eaten, starve, uh, you know, get killed going 100 miles away from home. But we do live in a world in which technology and people have created all this opportunity. So we actually are now in a context where we have the wrong evolutionary wiring for the world we live in. Because actually doing something new is the best way to create growth, whether it's personal or organizational. It's the best way to find an opportunity. So really what we're having to do is we're having to develop the tools to face an unknown world, uh, what I sometimes call uncertainty science, which is, you know, we wrote this book, The Upside of Uncertainty, which is about uh, the tools at a personal level, but we can also think at an organizational level, what are the strategies for a world of uncertainty? What's the way to organize for a world of uncertainty? So I just want to point out, this is a contemporary quest to understand how to do this. But as far as getting rid of fear and anxiety, I don't know that we would ever say we're going to help you get rid of that and you'll never feel it again. In fact, one of the things back to that uh, entrepreneur, David Hansen, who did Ruby on Rails and Basecamp, he actually made it very clear. Listen, I have done eight startups. I don't like financial risk. I've had, you know, things be just about to launch and feel like it's totally not going to work or it's going to get crashed by Apple, I believe, is the company. And basically, the point is, he's like, guess what? On my sleep app that tracks my thing on my watch, my heart rate's still up for those two weeks where I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. In other words, like Nathan said, the, the goal isn't to think that I could overcome it so much that I don't feel that fear and anxiety. It's that wiring he was talking about. But what's the more beautiful idea is, first, how could we feel more normal? Like, oh, and recognize immediately, this is my evolutionary wiring. I'm wired to fear this. But guess what? I'm going to do this anyway because it's important to me. It matters. And I am going to be okay. And having those tools is really to bring the temperature down. Mm. Uh but it's a it's a human personal thing. In some ways, it kind of bonds us. You know, when you open up with someone and be vulnerable about how you're feeling about things, it can be this really great moment. And so thinking like, I'm never going to feel this way again or fear. Although I will say you can turn it down and it can get easier to do. Mm. We've seen that in Nathan, who always says, oh, I hate uncertainty. He's gotten to where he can do it with less discomfort for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. And I want to touch on the sustain category because the first thing that you introduced was actually managing uh, our emotional hygiene. How often should we do emotional, let's say, house cleaning? And <laughs> what happens if we don't do it? You know, it's interesting because 200 years ago, we never talked about physical hygiene. Now, today it's become very normal. We know if you fall down, you cut your knee, you need to clean it out and put a Band-Aid on it. And that's part of taking care of your body so it can heal. And because of that revolution, that 20th century revolution in physical hygiene, life expectancy has increased 50%. Mm -hmm. But we never talk about the fact that we have an emotional body and that it too might need hygiene. And as a result, because we don't acknowledge it, what happens is we take a risk, we step into the unknown, we, we're 
we're actually courageous in facing uncertainty. It goes differently than expected, which, by the way, is probably what you should expect. And then what do we do? When it goes differently than expected, do we treat it like that cut knee and, and clean it out and take care of it? No, what we do is we we actually almost make it worse. We, we say, what an idiot I was mm. to try something new and what a fool to not see or foresee what would have happened. Really what we should be doing is we should be treating it like that wounded knee and say, wow, that hurts. But you know what? How courageous of me to try something new. And I might have fallen down this time, but I bet the next time or the time after that, I'll make the leap into something really interesting. I'm just learning that that would be the emotional hygiene, which is essentially caring for ourselves and our teams when we face uncertainty. And, and that is incredibly powerful. And we almost never do it. And just to, when you talk about how often do you need to do it? Actually, the idea is that we need to do it every day because we're not falling down every day and getting <laughs> cuts, but we are having things that are disturbing and, and hard happen to us emotionally. Even if it's just an interaction with, you know, a friend that just kind of ended abruptly or weird, you could, you could go down a rabbit hole of thinking like, oh my gosh, they're so mad at me. Or so we kind of need to be doing this daily, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to ask, you know, on a personal level, How have these tools helped you? When we were writing this book, the pandemic set in. For context, all of my income comes from speaking and teaching, and that disappeared in five days. And so I was really freaking out because we have, you know, four kids, we have university, we have, you know, payments for where we live, all those kind of common human things. And uh, Susanna actually said to me at one point, you, you, if you can't apply these tools to help you in this uncertainty, I won't let you write this book. It's too hypocritical. And she, and she was right, of course. Uh, well, one of the tools we talk about in Sustain is a set of frustration management frames. Uh, when something happens that's frustrating or a, a loss or you, you say, well, what, what could I learn from it? Or maybe you say, well, this is the game of life. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But one of my favorites is called the gratitude frame. And what it is, is instead of focusing on the worry we have about what we might lose. So I was worrying, will I lose my apartment? Will I lose my ability to pay for my kid's school, which we all face, right? And we've all faced that. Instead, focus on having gratitude for what you still have. And I was, I remember I woke up this one particular morning, my, and I, cause I was wait, I was staying up late and waking up early. I was so anxious. It was like my mind was on fire with the anxiety. Mm. Other people feel it differently. They feel it like their guts are twisted up, but however you feel it, you know, that feeling. And I remembered Susanna saying this and, and remember this frame. And at that moment, I recognized I was in the middle of grinding coffee beans And, you know, coffee beans have this beautiful, earthy smell. And for a moment, I just had gratitude for that. I I smelled it. It smelled so good. And then in an instant, I noticed that the sunlight was coming in through the window. And I thought, wow, the morning sun is so beautiful Mm -hmm. if you really look at it. And then the thought occurred to me, oh, my gosh, I could lose it. I could go bankrupt. I could lose the apartment. I could lose the job. I could lose everything but if I still had a relationship with the people I love and I still had the morning and I still had the smell of coffee, that would be a really rich life. And, and it's the stress fell off my shoulders. And, and so I would say, you know, focus on the gratitude for what you still have. And you will always have 
your skills and capabilities. You will always have the morning. There's always something that you will have that you could have gratitude for. And it's focusing on that. So that's what's helped me. I think people, I mean, all of us, we are always focused on, you know, what's going to happen next in a very, put it in a very negative context instead of what do I have now and what can I do with what I have now? Right. And I, th- I think that's really motivating. Okay. Um, I, I do have a question on, you know, how can leaders and organizations, companies use these tools in your book and train or motivate and encourage uh, the employees when, you know, failure or uncertainties occur or happen? So I would love to just bring back that example of Brian Chesky, how he was able to kind of harness his own Mm -hmm. fear and his own stress of the real reality that it was 80% of their business just gone. But a leader who has figured out how to navigate this for him or herself will have so much power in that organization because people can rally around that kind of energy. And also it's an example moment of, ooh, I like how this feels on my own. I'm I'm really stressed, but hey, look at this. Look what he's saying. I think I want to try that on. And so definitely first- It is a personal ability that we learn from practicing it ourselves. And then what's exciting is to think of organizations valuing it enough because they see my people in my team are going to be so much better little worker bees because, (laughs) you know, if they have this sense of, no, I want you to feel safe. I want you to feel empowered. And so letting people have the tools and and encouraging it and practicing them together. So like we talked about the know your risks as an organization, you can sit down and make a riskometer, which is that graphing of what are your risk aversions? What are your risk affinities as individuals and as a team? And we've, we've led this exercise in companies and it's fun to see because it gets good conversations started. Right. You know, so that's one example. Yeah, I can just I mean, Susanna's talking about reframing for the people you lead in terms of the possibility, not just the uncertainty, but we could go all the way around those four elements of the first aid cross for uncertainty. You know, when we think about prime, well, that's the riskometer is priming. Right. But what I wanted to talk about was uncertainty, which is about uh, this idea that uh, when you talk to innovators, they often will say, I love uncertainty. But when you get on the backstage of their lives, they've actually created all these islands of certainty that balance out the uncertainty they've chosen to face. So they have these habits, routines, rituals that are very rigid. They have developed, they've outsourced, they simplified, they've created relationships and communities. So as a leader, you could ask, well, could I create something that would balance out the uncertainty people feel? And I've heard had leaders tell me even how during the pandemic, sending out this kind of inspirational message mm-hmm. every day, people reflected back to that leader saying that actually helped me a great deal. Or uh, I have an executive student who talked about how on Fridays, she's working in this startup, at very uncertain. And every Friday afternoon, they talk about what happened that week, how it felt together. And that community and that sharing it, uh, balances out the uncertainty people felt. Mm-hmm. felt. So there's there are actually so many techniques uh, available and our goal is to try to make those available. And, and we actually created a little uh, online course to help people train up that ability um, on a website by the same name as the book, The Upside of Uncertainty. Uh, so, <laughs> it's yeah. not quite available yet in, in mid-January, but it's exciting because it can it can be strengthened, this ability to face it. Right. Uh, 
you actually touched a little bit on innovators, you know, they, they love uncertainties. But how about us, you know, ordinary people like me, right? We are just uh, employees. Uh, we are not I wouldn't say we're not innovative, but in a sense that this is what I, I saw a quote of from your book is that although most of us spend an immense amount of energy trying to make our lives more certain and in the process, we forget how much we crave uncertainty. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. So basically, people do assume that oh, you know, I'm not good at this or either I am. And and what we have to realize is everybody does need uncertainty. Some people put it on a list of the five things we need. Like we need some certainties, but we need surprise because mm-hmm. when we do something over and over, burnout comes from that, you know, or just feeling discouraged and like nothing wonderful again will happen. And that's why that leads people to do really crazy things, you know, like affairs or other sad things where we just feel like this is too boring. I'm going to push eject on this. And really, truly, uncertainty, when we see it as possibility or excitement or new, we can start to think about, okay, maybe I could try. Maybe I could get on a frontier. That's one of our tools in Reframe. Maybe I can just take a little small step towards adding and instilling something new into my life. And we found when people do this, they're able to, the other areas of their life that are more drudgery and workaday things, like being an employer, doing a job that maybe doesn't feel like this is where I want to end up, you're able to do it better. In fact, my I have a brother who was telling us after reading this book, he realized he was just in, it was winter and it was depressing and kind of he has a bunch of teenagers kind of like us and he was just feeling discouraged and he he didn't feel like he had the money to take us to get a local ski pass but he thought you know what I'm just going to take this experiment of getting on a frontier doing something that I used to love adding a little bit of a risk anyway long story short is he only went skiing once a week but every other day that week he was waking up with more energy and excitement about his life because he was doing something that he loved. So is that an uncertainty? No, but it actually gave him energy for the other things in his life that were feeling so dull and it enriched Mm -hmm. the whole, the whole package. What I would add is just at, at a more general level, what innovators have learned is a little secret. And I would say actually innovators aren't born loving uncertainty, but they've learned this secret. And that is that actually possibility is the other side of the uncertainty coin. And they start to get addicted to uncertainty because they know that's the gateway to which I'm going to discover something new. I'm going to do something new. Something new will happen. And they get addicted to the new (laughs) and they accept the uncertainty as part of that. And so for all of us in our regular lives, maybe what I would really emphasize is to think about that life that is important to you. And and by important to you, I don't mean you need to be, you know, some outlier like a Picasso or Steve Jobs or something, just what's important to you. And a friend of ours, uh, who's a writer named David White, he talked about this. And he talked about a very beautiful idea of becoming what he calls the ancestor of your future happiness. And the way he talks about it is he said, we all remember those moments in our lives that were pivotal, where we made that phone call, we stepped out and we talked to somebody, we we went for the interview, we did the something that led to this happiness we have today. Mm -hmm. And all of those were moments of uncertainty. And so what we would really encourage you to do is to use these tools to, to face uncertainty and become that ancestor of your own future happiness. 
on that note, thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, I've been speaking to Nathan Fur and Susanna Fur, who are the authors of The Upside of Uncertainty, A Guide to Finding Possibility in the Unknown. And I want to quote one thing that they said, uncertainty is the mode to protect opportunities. Thank you guys so much again. If you miss any part of this show, of course, you can go ahead on our website at bfm.my to download the full conversation. The BFM app is also available on the Apple App Store and Google Play. I'm Lily Chai and this has been Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.